0: Hello, 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 fans! Yes, indeed, it's us. Don't call it a comeback. That's what we're saying. We We are it. We took this. We estivated. That's right. Which is one of my favorite words in the English language. We are back. We being Team Vintage Sand, inclusive. Let me allow me to reintroduce myself, as they say. Josh Cabot. Um, newly retired, but working again, uh, doing, uh, doing something else. More on that later. Check my Facebook page. Um, the Fabulous John Meyer. Hello, fans. Johnny says hello. And Minnesota
1: Mike Edmond. Hello, and don't check my Facebook don't page. Check I'm his... no longer on it. Oh, you... I got hacked for the second time. That, yeah, that's By enough. a Trump supporter.
0: That loses its charm pretty quickly. So yes, tell me about it. You have not heard from us since June, and we apologize for that. It has been a frantic and busy and wonderful and kind of awful in some places summer. But as always, broken and bloodied but unvowed, we return as Team Vintage Sand. What did you see over the summer? Anything good, guys, in the theaters? Mm, I, did you see Top Gun? No.
1: I did. Yeah. No. I started a drive in, which is the perfect place to see Top Gun. You think I would go and pay anything to see You Know Who? Well, I know how
0: much you love Voldemort. Well, we I know he, s- he who cannot be named. He's our Voldemort. Yeah, and I never, I never saw the first one. Can I tell you something, I though? I did
2: see the first one, which was like about two hours of a commercial for the Navy. Yeah,
0: exactly. And uh, I'd rather see, you know, the video for the village peoples in the Navy. That's much more exciting, but. Uh, uh that, that they don't make them like that anymore <laughs> but um one thing that they first of all you know in a drive-in screen the action scenes were amazing and second of all how they handled val kilmer which they could have mishandled it 800 different ways is actually quite lovely they actually did a really nice and dignified job with it so but yeah if you're not a tom cruise fan there i said the name definitely not yeah you. and
1: i mean it's very militaristic and Less, if like, This
0: is less jingoistic than the first one. Oh, Substantially okay. less. But, you know, predictable plot. And my big question coming out of Top Gun Maverick is how Jennifer Connelly still looks that good at her age. She's just... Stunning. I mean, it's just like, whoa, how could that still well, be Maybe Jennifer she gone? has
1: Angela Lansbury's uh, plastic surgeon.
0: Yeah, or something. I don't I know. know. I, I was kind of wondering where, whatever.
1: She probably has a good plastic surgeon. Whatever
0: happened to Kelly McGillis, who, of course, was the love interest in the first one? She did. Yeah. Um, I know there were problems with her it Was like with so many actresses with her weight and yeah. she got criticized for that and it's really horrible and
1: but, yeah. she also came out as a lesbian and oh, that's not usually good for yeah. uh, leading ladies we'll talk about that in our necrology a little yes.
0: bit uh- unfortunately because we've been away for a couple of months is lengthy but that's alright we'll get them all in I took uh, took Sue to see Minions uh, which I make no I'm totally uh, sorry not sorry that I love the Minions and uh, so. the them. Uh, we were up in Schoon Lake, New York, in the Adirondacks, which has a beautiful old '30s deco theater, small one that was just restored. And so, just to see anything there is a treat. And they had a guy traveling around who works with Turner Classic a lot, who did, uh, who showed um, Steamboat Bill Jr. My favorite Keaton, oh,
1: wow. and played
0: live piano company. Cool. Men. Yeah, That's that cool. was lovely. That was really lovely. And the last thing I saw was Nope. What
1: did you think?
0: you know i went in expecting uh something where the political subtext was much sharper as in get out and to a lesser extent mm-hmm. in us this was more of just of a straight genre yeah, movie yeah it, was, it, like was, it was like a flying
1: saucer movie yeah. it seemed to me like a uh uh, uh, Twilight Zone episode stretched into two two hours and stuff. I, I, I was not fond of it.
0: Yeah, I was not. Well, and again, maybe it's unfair to, you know, I mean, you know, the moment, there were no moments like in Us when Lupita Nyong'o asks her alternative self, who are you? And alternative Lupita Nyong'o says... We're Americans, which is you know whoa. Let alone the political commentary of Get Out. So that wasn't here. There was some in terms of how we sp- respond to disasters, yeah. and also about how we, you know, fool ourselves into thinking we can tame nature. Think of the opening with, right. the ch- with a chimpanzee, and you know you can extend that to a political arena. But yeah, it was just kind of a popcorn movie. Yeah. it was okay. I liked Elvis. I was I gonna didn't say see I it.
2: recently, I recently. Saw that, and I have to say, I really liked it a lot. It's was very pleasantly Bas Baz Lerman,
0: guys. You know, I'm I heard, a fan.
2: But this was, this was Baz Lerman with better taste.
0: Yeah. And with with the the editing is not so uh, it's frantic. This, this it,
2: worked,
1: it worked. It worked well in this. In this wow. And nice. Austin Butler is great. He's a wonderful actor. Huh? I've seen yeah. him. Did you see the Denzel Washington uh, Iceman Cometh? No. Because he was in that. And uh, he was quite good in that. He played uh, Parrot and um, he's a good and he he was one of the uh, thugs in Once Upon a Time in Hollywood oh alright and he's good he's going to be he's going to be somebody I think so yeah yeah it was very very, I'll see it because it's
0: a Baz Luhrmann film I mean I I would
1: would, and I would try to see it at a theater if you can yes I saw a couple art films too that I like. John also saw this one uh, Official Competition
2: yes that was good with Penelope Cruz
1: and um, Antonio Banderas ah And a very, very funny about Together Again. Making See, it.
2: I don't think it was that funny. I think there's humor in it. I, I I I hesitate to call it a comedy. There are parts in it I thought were very funny, but, I mean, if if you want to call it a comedy, it's a very, very dark comedy. It's a comedy. dark <laughs>
1: comedy, but I, I, I liked it a lot. I did too, yeah. And uh, I saw a very strange movie, you can get it on demand, uh, by uh, Kevin Klein's son. Oh. Uh, Owen Klein, who had a... Small part, feature part in um, The Squid and the Whale. played the younger brother. This was called Funny Pages. And it's about a comic book artist. And all I can say is it's, it's one of the most bizarre movies I've seen in, in a, a long time. In a good way time. or not? In a good way, I'm afraid. I would not take a first date to it. it. Some of it is very grotesque. Ooh, okay. Not in blood, just people are grotesque. It's like... Um, Klein used Federico Fellini's casting director for oh, some okay. of these after yeah.
0: <laughs> It's that cartoonish. And, that but but, Ohio but, but, but
1: the movie grotesque. is not cartoonish. Yeah. Yeah. Not at all. And then I saw a very funny comedy called Honk for Jesus. Oh, yeah, with, with, with Sterling Hall.
0: Brown and... Uh, yeah. Yeah.
1: And that was pretty. Good. It was
0: good. All yeah. right. So well, some. Was, sin- yeah. Listen, we're in a bad state when the best thing I've seen all year in the theaters is everything everywhere all at once. Which you I know, also. Liked. Yeah, I but, like that. I, mean, I like that a lot. Too. But good stuff coming. Aronofsky's got one coming. Although well, the Olivia Wilde, which I was really looking yeah, forward to, because my reviews. my girl Florence Pugh's in it, and yeah, it got terrible. I'm going to watch it. I'm going to see it anyway. See it anyway. To support Olivia Wilde and to support, yeah. yeah, I mean, I don't care about Harry Styles one bit, but. I couldn't uh,
1: pick him out of a group of ten.
0: Yeah, exactly. I, was, I mean, he's huge, huge, huge. I huge. know. All right. And
1: I hear uh, the one with Kate Blanchett is very good. The one Todd Field is directing. Yeah, Todd, where have you acted those he, two brilliant films? And, he was working on things that didn't pan out. There was a big uh, article about it in the Times. Interesting. And in the bedroom, and what was the other one? Little children. Little children, right? With
0: Kate, Kate Winslet. Winslet. Yeah. Yeah, that was good. Yeah. And the, but those were like fifteen years ago. Yeah. Yeah. Wow.
1: No, they they mentioned that he's just been working and there was things and it just
0: just nothing panned out. Things just
1: panned out, but this one did, and it's been getting very good reviews. I think it was at the Berlin Film Festival. And they say she's great.
0: Well, I mean, and the is about the 600-pound yes. guy played by uh, Brendan Fraser, which, which I, has gotten great reviews. I saw
1: the play. Oh, and? The play's good. I can't imagine how they're going to do the movie, but...
0: That's Aronofsky. Yeah. I mean, he does the unimaginable. For better or worse, that's why I love him. Yeah. All right, so we are, gentlemen, drumroll please, episode 40. Four zero. Oh, it's a milestone. It's oh, a milestone. We're middle-aged. Yeah, exactly. Forty.
1: 40. Oh, well,
0: forty is the forty is the new twenty-five, so uh so but we're good. And for vintage, ep- vintage sand is truly vintage. Land. We are truly we put the vintage in vintage sand, exactly. We're more vintage and a lot sandier. Yeah. So there you go. Um and for this episode, we're gonna go unfortunately, as I said, we have a long necrology because it's been two and a half months since we convened, but uh we're gonna do our third round of uh what we like to call hidden gems films that we love that we felt that at the time, upon their original release, did not get enough attention, love, even if there were some nominations here and there. So to take you back, uh, Hidden Gems 1 and 2 are Episodes 11 and uh, 30, respectively. John had uh, Bertrand Tavagné's Safe Conduct about uh, the Maquis and the Resistance and Curtis Hansen's Wonder Boys, wonderful uh, Michael Douglas. Michael had Alan Rudolph's uh, Afterglow, which just, just satisfying his Julie Christie thing, That's and it. Norman Lear's only uh, directorial effort, full-length feature, uh, Cold Turkey. Yes.
1: what he just turned 100. He's well, about two weeks amazing. ago and what a wonderful piece in the Times. Wow.
0: is just amazing. He's and, great. And I had Dennis Hopper's career ender, the last movie, which I think was, you know, just fascinating and unique and the, its complete tonal opposite, the film that Bill Forsythe, the great forgotten Scottish director, did after he did Local Hero and that was Comfort and Joy. So now, we come to round three, episode 40, Hidden Gems, volume three. Who wants to kick it off? All right, I will go first. Um, you guys know that there are we we live on, uh, four, uh, John and I at least, live on 14th Street, and uh, one of the reasons I moved to the East Village in the first place is that we would not have any, like, chain stores here when I first moved here right. back in 87, and now it's all chain stores. Joke's on you. <laughs> we had a Trader Joe's. We have two trade. What's the pearl of Trader Joe? Trader's Joe or Trader Joe's? I'm not sure. I'll have to Trader. ask an English teacher when I find one. Trader. And... Uh, And there was a liquor store attached to the one in Union Square, and and they closed it. And why did they close? Because the workers were trying to unionize. Yeah. And everywhere this happens, and there was a famous story about a Walmart in Quebec where the v- workers voted to unionize. It was an incredibly successful store. Shut it right down. Starbucks, well, it's happening all over the place. And my film is probably, I would argue, although it's very polemical and it's very didactic, uh, maybe the greatest film ever made about a labor movement. And amazingly so, because it's based on a real story. O- opening question, guys. I, can, Off the top of my head, I can think of Matewan. And maybe Norma Ray. Yeah, why, so
2: Norma Rae's the one right, that Right, why are
0: it. there so... Because the drama inherent in labor movements and strike and scabs and such... And I, and I would also throw in all the scenes with John Carradine in uh, Grapes of Wrath, all the Casey scenes. Yeah. Tom, you yeah. got to learn like I learned. You yeah. know, right before they cut him down. Right. Just like they'll cut Tom down, but it don't matter no more. Well, it's um, Hoffa. <laughs> you mean the the...
1: It, the uh, Jack, Jack Nicholson. Jack Nicholson, yeah. Yeah. that was about. And there was also Fist. The, yeah, the, the one Sylvester Stallone the song, yeah, the movie, I movie I saw. Yeah. Which is really not bad. Say, no, it wasn't that bad. No, no but it you
0: wasn't. it's no it's not that it's not a bad movie.
1: You would think
0: that labor movements but you know, I think there's an obvious answer, which I assume is right, is that Hollywood has always been anti-union and they I'm sure yeah. they did not promote the making of anything like that. Certainly not in mm-hmm. nineteen fifty-four, mm-hmm. when a group of blacklisted actors, writers and creatives got together, got some financing from the International Copper Mine Union, and made a film called *Salt of the Earth*. And I'm pleased to say how that how did they get the financing from the union? Yeah, but oh, I see. They I see. went They didn't. Go, it was released independently. It had nothing to do with anything in Hollywood. Um, But, you know, some very famous names attached with Michael Wilson, Paul Jericho, uh, the director Herbert Biberman, who had done some small films, Will Gear, you know, the actor who, of course, eventually showed up as Grandpa Walton in The Waltons, and the great person I'm going to focus on, the great Mexican actress Rosaura Revueltas, who makes the movie for me, but... They got this movie made somehow, it cost a buck 95. The miracle of it is that very few people saw it when it came out, because distribution was limited, and it has become this classic. I saw it on Amazon Prime. I just clicked on Amazon Prime and there it was. So yeah. it is readily available even though it is the most independent of independent films. So thought, any other great labor films? I uh, One I was thinking Modern was, Times maybe? Yeah. I mean, the strike scene? Something I was thinking of was Blue Collar.
1: Yeah. With, you know, yeah, Nathalie with uh, a Sh- a Schrader's film. Harvey
2: yeah. and Harvey Keitel. It's Forgotten kind of movie. But also about how the union becomes sort of corrupt too, but it's that's a good movie.
0: Yep.
1: I'll so also throw in you... On the Waterfront.
0: Yeah. Although that was yeah, I know. the yeah. message was yeah. was exactly the opposite of Salt of the Earth. <laughs> yeah, it's like yeah. being a rat is a good thing, said Ilya yeah. Kazan, yeah. not to everyone's pleasure. Yeah. But there you go. Um the only other one I can think have you guys seen our daily bread? Long King Peter's film, long yeah. time ago. It's yeah. the sequel to *The Crowd*. The same yeah. two characters, John yeah. and Mary. Yeah. It's 1934 now, and I don't know how he got this movie made. I don't even know if it was released by a studio. But essentially, they go work on a collective farm, and <laughs> it looks like a Toshenko or Eisenstein yeah. or Podovkin yes. film. I mean, you know that Stalin would have absolutely yeah. loved. Yeah. So there you go, and you know it would seem like. I know you guys found it preachy. I'm assuming. Uh,
1: no. <laughs> I tell you... You hate my actor no, well, well, that's I, I part of it.
2: It, I thought it was a little... I mean, even though I agree with most of what it was trying to say, I found it a little... Yeah, a little preachy, a little... I don't know, like I, I was sometimes listening to a textbook about what it was about or whatever right. kind of thing. <laughs>
1: Billy yeah. Wilder's quip about the Hollywood Ten kept rolling into my head. What did he say? He said that... Um, Oh God! I wrote it down somewhere. I, he said that um, two were talented; the rest were just unfriendly. <laughs> okay. <and laughs> I'm afraid I kept that line kept going at me when, because the director was one of the Hollywood right, men, and so, of course, so as was, was Michael, Michael Wilson, Wilson, sure, and. Um, it's but just, con- considering what they had to right, work with—a right, right.
0: zero budget, non-actors. Yeah, yeah. In fact, many people who were involved in the actual incidents, which took place in 1951, three years before yeah. the film was made, play themselves or characters. I based would love on to themselves.
1: see this film again, made remade
0: with real actors, with
1: real actors when with a budget. You, I just, would love to.
0: you said that in our last
1: episode about yeah, Chloe Chloe's yeah, first well, two films. I mean, and at the at the very end of the movie, they. Listed the, the real actors. Right. The, was, the real, the, the, the professional actors. And they had the two villains as uh, professional actors. And I go, really? really? <laughs> They're professional? And I looked them up. One of them was, that was the only credit he had. Right. And the other one had 13 credits. And nine of them were uncredited <laughs> parts in, in things like the Pepsi Cola Theater.
2: Oh, cool. All <laughs> I right. Mean, uh, and Will Gear. Right. Wilgear
1: yeah. and, of course, the, uh, I forget her name. Rosara Rovell. She's wonderful. She's amazing. And, and what a she, face. of course. Yeah, had I was, li- yeah, what a face. That itself. face. Oh, yeah. Yeah. It, it,
0: That's it, a Falcon and Joan of Arc kind of this. Yeah.
1: She was wonderful. And yeah. she, she made, frankly, for me, the whole movie worthwhile. So, and, then, and then some of the non professional actors, the two, bro- I think they're brothers who were the cops. Right. They were painful. Yeah, was painful. painful but to listen to the, the guy who played Ramon, you know, the, he was the okay. husband, he was good. And he was you know, he because
0: was... here's here's the couple of things that are amazing about this when film. the kids were good. Yeah, the kids were good. Number one, the fact that it's a totally true story. And the other thing is that if it were just a labor union movie, that would be one thing. That would make it far ahead of its time and very daring for nineteen fifty four. Still the height of McCarthyism. But it's also a feminist yes. Yes. story. Yes. Yeah, because no, no, no. one of the things that's so great about the film is that she points out to her husband over and over her husband's a striking mine worker for a zinc mine in New Mexico, and he's constantly complaining about how badly the Mexican workers are treated compared to everyone. But he treats her like a slave yeah. in the house. Yeah. So, and she points this out several times. And you're like, whoa, when is this movie? <laughs> like, that's pretty impressive. And it's kind of a classic immigrant story, too. Yes. Because yeah. the, the company, as companies like like that will do pit the white union workers against the Mexican union workers and this is like a page taken right out of ta Coates because they literally say to the white workers well you know you may not have it perfect but at least you're not them you know so they and they keep they treat them in different at different levels because that's how they keep the white workers or blame
2: the other group the, 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 your problems are caused by them because they want this, and yeah. they're taking away that from you. So classic divide and conquer. So yeah. very
0: briefly, yeah. it tells us that, that comes up in the grapes of wrath too. Casey, you gotta learn like I learned, John. <laughs> well, we got a couple of union members sitting here, so uh, yeah, you know, I'm, I'm sticking I'm with in, the union I as they two used humans. to say. unions. Yep. Um, The story is about, as I said, it takes place in a uh, zinc mine in New Mexico in 1951 through the eyes of Ramon, who is uh, husband and father of two, soon to be three, and uh, they are treated much worse than their, uh, their white union brothers, as I said, and... Uh, they're forced to work in dangerous conditions and they're forced to work alone, which is really bad. And sure enough, there's an accident, someone gets badly hurt, and they go on strike. And the strike is very bitter, as such things were, and the company tries to shut the strike down. Finally, they get, through the Taft-Hartley Act, an injunction, and the workers are not allowed to strike. But what happens, unexpectedly and in real life is that their wives took up the picket line because there was yeah.
1: nothing in the that's right they weren't union members. they said yeah. the
0: union member though the, the taft hartley act said the union members couldn't strike so the wives picked up their and these are immigrant wives a lot of whom barely speak english trying to keep their families together and the men stayed home there were a couple of wonderful scenes of ramon trying to take care of the kids and yeah. doing the laundry yeah. And they kept the strike going. They throw all the wives in jail. That scene in jail. Oh, I love yeah. that
1: scene. Yeah.
0: <laughs> Necesitamos camas. Necesitamos comida. You know, we need food. And we'll we are What am, I supposed,
1: what am I supposed to do with them? What am I supposed to do
0: with them? And so they let them out. Yeah. And then the union plays its last card. They try to evict Ramon and Esperanza. That's Ruelta's character from their house. And they're doing it in the process of doing it. And people start showing up. Yeah, and that's yeah. all I'm going to say because it is one of the most powerful I mean I grew up in a real union family you know teachers union so Solidarity Forever was a real life thing and that's yeah. what you get at the end of this movie and, and, but again it is uh, uh, it, it, it's not subtle <laughs> no 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 I mean that was one of the
2: things I didn't like at the same
0: time like I said there, there are moments that are really beautiful and inspiring and, you know, I thought of... You would thought of Billy Wilder. I thought of John Lennon's quote, is that, you know, when you're drowning, you don't say in a measured tone of voice, I would very much appreciate it if someone <laughs> would fish me out of here quickly before I can breathe. You scream for yeah. help. Yeah. And this movie is a scream for help. All right? In a time that was phenomenally difficult for anything that even remotely smacked of socialism like, labor, yeah. like a labor right, union. Right, and
1: according to... Um uh, the history that I read about it, it it wasn't wasn't seen. I mean, oh was yeah, like, no, they like, absolutely. It was yeah,
0: fifty four, right? Yeah, yeah. It, same year as On the Waterfront, right? Mm-hmm. Interesting, interesting to watch those two together. That's an interesting idea, John. I love On
1: the Waterfront is slightly better acted. Yes, yeah, <laughs> like
0: <laughs> although you do have Carl Malden, so uh, yeah. better uh, acted. <laughs> yeah, it's true. But but we're not we're going for verisimilitude here. We're right. going for reality. And again, I totally understand and you know it's fun when we come to Mike's film. You know, Mike is gonna be talking about Mike Lee, who is, you know, maybe the greatest of all actors directors, because actors are not only worshipped by him, but also are such a part of the process. We talked about yeah. Chloe Zhao in our last episode, who for her first two films used non-act. I understand why the non-acting thing bothers you, because you can no, see... It, no, it, well, makes it, bothers, total sense. it
2: bothers me sometimes, simply because a lot of times non-actors, if they're not used correctly, come off as cardboard. Mm. Yeah. it's. I mean, you just can't get around it. And And I remember a teacher saying to me a long, long time ago in a film class I took, unfortunately... If the acting's bad, your movie is bad.
1: Yeah. <laughs> I didn't think this was a bad movie. <laughs> no, then. it wasn't. Uh, I, I just wanted, I wanted it to be better. Like there so are so much. The, yeah. I, like, I, yes, moments, I agree. I, because
2: I, of what it's about or whatever it's mm-hmm. trying to say. That, I mean, like I said, the message is inspiring. You just you keep rooting
0: for it to be better. And you know, but but there are moments like when Ramon is forced to do the laundry, and <laughs> like, and Esperanza has been begging him to make a union demand that they get firewood and hot water. That's a motif and in all of all. Every movie ever made that the husband never knows how to do the laundry. Right? And then when <laughs> and then when when he's got to do the laundry, he says to his 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 fellow workers who are at home with the kids, he says, "We have to make this a union demand." You know, he finally realizes it. But if there's anything that I will take a, I mean, and Rosaura Revueltas uh, was a well-known and loved figure in Mexican cinema, you know, in And the- she was the-
1: deported after Yep,
0: this was made. And, unfortunately, yeah. So some things, some things have not changed, and so I think it. What happened to her? after? but I mean, did she?
1: She worked in Mexico. She worked in Mexican. She in did. Mexico, she, yeah. yeah. Okay. But, but she, this was her only film here. Yeah.
0: But it's that face, and yeah. Yeah. She, very, very
2: grave. But it's but a, but a, powerful, a really a really interesting face.
0: Strong, interesting, and I said, I listen. You. I know, thought of Mignani. Yeah, absolutely, and you guys know how yeah. much I love Joan of Arc, the Passion of Joan of Arc, and how mm-hmm. much I love Falconetti, and that may be the greatest single face in the history of film. But this is pretty close. She does so much, and you know there are some good film moments, like yeah. when she's giving birth and he's getting beaten up by the cops in the back of the <sighs> car, and they cut back and forth between their own individual suffering. So that's a nice. Film moment, you know, uh, I, I, yeah, I, I, won't, I won't give it credit for any technical greatness. But no, but well, people should, when you
1: people have should, have a, see it. You should see unless it. Unless you have anti-human. a really,
2: really low budget, I mean, the technical aspects are going to suffer. The two usually kind of go in hand. Mm-hmm. Unless you have a really extraordinary director who just knows how to place the camera all the time because that has nothing to do with money. And therefore, the editing is is right. much better and that just
0: helps your movie tremendously. Yeah, no, I agree. So it um, is in a time, you know, I'm starting to read articles about people go, from Ivy League colleges who are graduating and going to work at Starbucks and at Amazon and places like that in a deliberate effort to help re-spark Mm. The union movement. It seems to be working. And I, so it's. if there was ever a time to rediscover this film, again, hardly available, barely seen at the time, as you guys pointed out, but now available everywhere. The Library of Congress has YouTube. it on its roll of historical... You just see
1: YouTube. Don't have to pay a penny.
0: Yep. And again, Salt of the Earth, directed by Hubert Biberman from 1954, worth your time, for its very modern take on on labor movements and even more interestingly and even more ahead of its time on on feminist yeah, issues. Yeah and that's what surprised that, that shocked me, me about actually. the film. Yeah, I mean at like, one point they're talking about like sexual equality and you're like, whoa, wait a minute, what yeah. that, they're talking about that in nineteen fifty four? Nice. Yeah. So Well some,
2: usually that kind of subject didn't come up unless it was a comedy. Right and and this is a, a really good comedy say from like the 40s and some of the, some of those yeah. you know, so-called screwball comedies or whatever sometimes feminist issues would come up in there
0: yep no and the, but this is there's no as you guys say correctly there was nothing subtle about this but you know now is the time when people are starting to rediscover the fact that labor labor unions are what created The weekend, the middle class, the end of child labor and all that stuff that we take for granted now. And yet so many people are anti-union. I think aside from government workers, 7% of United States workers are in a union. It was as high as 34, 35% back in the early 60s. And the decline of the middle class is yeah. perhaps not coincidental with that. Again, I'm a little biased being a card-carrying Yeah, well, the average member.
2: salary of a, a top executive used to be around 10 times that of the workers. Now it's 300 there times. There you go. More. There yeah. it is. So How much
0: money do you need for a film that is <laughs> How much is, money
1: does anybody need like that? that
0: is not amazingly well made but is shockingly ahead of its time and inspirational in the best in, in the non-ironic sense of that word in the best possible way. I just
1: want to put In a little kind of a quip. I would like to see even a conservative director like Clint Eastwood. I think he could have made a really good movie out of this. Yeah, I think so. Because I look at a movie like American Sniper, which I don't agree with at all, and I think it's one of his best movies. Yeah, I think it's Uh, nicely done. Yeah, I
2: agree. I I agree. Yeah, the the politics of it is like kind of like, huh? You're kind of like glossing over a lot of here, but it's a really well made movie. Really, really well made very well acted.
1: And, and that's that's what, I, what kept popping into my head, as I was watching this. And I, I, as I said, I think I wish. Had you seen it before? No. Interest John. Had you? No, I'd never seen it before. No, I've
0: heard of it, but I've not seen it. All right. As so, I said, once, you. once hard to track down. Now don't miss it. Salt of the Earth, Hubert Biberman, in nineteen fifty-four. Who's up next? Who's okay, going I'll
1: next? go. Another year, and uh, I have talked about this film before when we were doing our uh, 10 best of the last decade. I um, it, it put this, I think, as number three or four. And this is a Mike Lee movie uh, made in 2010. And I think it's, I, I just love this movie. <laughs>
0: I I think for a movie that's so sort of anti cinematic in that it's there there's so little camera music but it's there. the stuff of film. I I, I was so wrapped up mm-hmm. in in these people's lives. Yeah, I totally agree with you. Mike.
1: And this is a story as I said previously about a couple, Tom and Jerry. Uh, Tom is a geologist. Uh, Jerry works at a social worker clinic, and they're friends. And um, it goes from uh, Season that starts in the spring, summer, fall, and winter. And their friends are kind of wrecks. Uh, One friend, uh, Mary, who I know this person. (laughs) Yeah, I know several Marys. (laughs) I know know this person well. And what a brilliant performance. Oh, Leslie Manville. Yeah, she got National Society, one of the Film Critics Awards for Best uh, Supporting Actress, and she got a couple of awards in England for this. Uh, she plays just this poor, alcoholic, miserable, divorced woman who can't, um, she just c- cannot cope. Mm. And, uh, Except
0: with a lot of alcohol. With
1: a lot of alcohol, and even then she can't really cope. The, the, the more alcohol she drinks, the worse she becomes. And then there's... Um, She's her own worst enemy. She boy. is, but I. Hmm. But so is Ken, his old childhood oh, friend. Oh, uh, yeah. Ken. Oh, and I love this actor. Did you, by the way, see Hamlet when it was done at the uh, Armory? No. Oh, he played Polonius ah. in that production, and he—he's he, wonderful, marvelous actor. And Ken is uh, Tom's best friend from, uh, I think, college. Yeah, and uh, he's always eating. Or mm. yeah. drinking, see, we're see smoking, him. smoking. You right. see him on the train coming. He's eating. The first thing he does when he to gets up to the house... hole inside of him. He's eating and exactly, drinking. Exactly, And yeah. he's divorced and miserable. And he has his eyes for Mary. And Mary, that's the one man she's not interested in. Yeah.
0: She's interested in their, the main couple's son.
1: Right. And then there's brother um, Ronnie. Ronnie. Played by David Bradley. And... Um, Harry Potter fans know that David Bradley was the um, caretaker right. in uh, all the Harry Potter films. Wonderful, wonderful actor. And you find out a little bit about, about him before his segment, which is Winter. You find out that he doesn't work and his wife does. And now the wife has died and he's catatonic. And he has a son who he not, doesn't speak to, Shows up, mm, yep. shows up at the funeral but there are happy characters besides uh, um, Tom and Jerry. There's Tom's, uh, Tom's son. Um, I say, Jim. He's,
2: he's... Joe. He seems to be the only one I really would want to know. <laughs> yeah.
0: He's characters. pretty laid
1: back. And, and, and Joe's girlfriend. And yeah. his girlfriend. Yeah. And, and unfortunately, Mary's got the uh, eyes for Joe. Which and, is creepy. Which is creepy, but he's we're not surprised. I mean, it's not... Yeah, no. We're no. not surprised by it. And... Uh, Frankly, a little bit of narcissism in the characters of Tom and Jerry because they they had to have known, yeah, that that she was interested in him. I mean, if, if it we it was could, so obvious, it was obvious to us. It would be obvious but to them.
0: Jerry's outrage at Mary and how she treats the girlfriend is yes. justified. Oh,
1: absolutely. It, That's in the autumn section. Yeah. Yeah, it's it's absolutely justified, and um, it's just a, a super dramatic movie. I, I've mentioned it before. Lee. The way Lee works is he does several weeks of uh, workshops with the actors, and they kind of write it together. Yeah. And then he comes back after a few months, and he has the script ready. And he does this with all of his films. And uh, this one, to me, this one really knocked it out of the park. And it didn't do very well. It was a bigger hit in England than it was here. Huh. It came here. It opened up a cr- Christmas Day. Okay. It got one Oscar nomination for best screenplay, and um, people don't really know about it. And uh, where would you? I mean, you know, I'm a
0: as we were talking about before the episode. So I'm a Gilbert and Sullivan fan. So my favorite Lee film by far is Topsy Turvy. But where would you rank another year? I would in put the
1: it least? as top five. top five. I I prefer Topsy Turvy because I love Topsy Turvy. I love Secrets and Lives. Uh, yeah, I liked loved. Um, He did Vera Drake too. Oh, Vera Drake, I love. Yeah. But the uh, other one with Jim Rodbent, the first time we ever see him, the family, Jane Horrocks is the daughter. Mm. And I have it at Uh, home, and I can't. The name name just popped out of me. Oh, boy, Senility. We Um, shouldn't have um, outsourced Life is sweet. Life is sweet. Life is sweet. Yes. Yes. I love that movie. All right. I don't love them all uh, The last one Mr. Turner I was rather disappointed Did not like it at all yeah. And that's my
2: favorite Painter in the world And I did yeah, not I like Yeah I was disappointed In that Well also You know Part of the problem With that movie too Is Who would want to know Mr. Right, Turner Right Turner was so awful <laughs> he was Such an awful <laughs> I person know. I mean, a great painter, but halfway through the movie, you're just like, oh my God, you're horrible. I don't want to spend any more time with you. And it goes on for like another hour and a half.
0: But as a non-actor, what I saw in this film was people doing so much with so little, with just a glance, with a couple of words that express a whole... To me, the line that, that sums up the whole movie is, Jerry says, you know, life's not always kind, is it? Yeah and that's kind of the movie and I love the how they mark the passage of time with the garden and mm-hmm. we see them planting we see them s- sowing we see them harvesting which was
1: all phony because they had to shoot it in 12 weeks <laughs> oh, alright but, but, had to, uh, but they, the magic of movie making the magic of movie making
0: but it, it, it's a wonderful meditation on time passing mm-hmm. and also on our what, what you know my grandma you always just say the footprint from quoting from that old poem leaving footprints on the sands of time what legacy are you leaving behind you know and mm. that's something that's movie wrestles with too it's just so engrossing
1: and you can get it streaming it's on amazon prime for 3.99 and uh, it's it's worth it's worth definitely worth four dollars it's it's um i, I recommend especially well, I with would say anyone that's
2: interested in watching really, brilliant actors really good working together yeah. Yeah. Yeah, i mean this yeah. is a movie to watch
1: yeah and and as and i said leslie Manville. I can't wait to see the crown to see what she does with Margaret.
2: That's gonna yeah. be. She's
1: taking over Margaret for, yeah, the, H- for, for the, the last HBC. two years. Wow. And Stanton mm-hmm. is taking over.
0: For the crown. Olivia Colman.
1: And she actually had a kind of a fun movie over the summer. Uh, Leslie Mann Bell, uh, Mrs. Harris goes to Paris. Oh yeah, it was, was light, it, but it was, it was fun. It was fun watching her and Isabelle Huppert kind of slumming it a little bit but uh, but they, they weren't they were having a good time so uh, i was told you i was going to ask you this one yes. question
0: about the movie why the op- there's an open imelda stanton appears mm-hmm. in one scene yeah that's sort of an establishing scene right. uh and then disappears from the
1: movie she disappears i think it is I, when i saw it because i knew imelda stanton was in it but i knew she didn't have a big part i don't know how i knew it but i did because uh, they, they weren't really focusing on her and they even have her on the credits and a Imolda Stanton. Um I think it was to confer what Jerry has to do for a living.
0: And her connection to the Doctor who yes. becomes a, a character and to right. Mary, right. You know, to uh, Leslie Mandel's right. character. You this, could have had anybody play that part though. So she
1: Maybe
2: was, she did it as a Oh, favor, I'm sure.
1: So. Very, she lo- she's, everybody yeah. loves Mike Lee. Yeah, I
2: know. That's, that's the thing. She just loved- it's also possible there was a scene cut out.
1: It would have, although it was long enough, it was a little over two hours. I so, thought it was yeah. good. No, I thought
2: no, uh, no. I'm saying I'm saying it's possible that Imelda Stenberg had, had, had another, another scene, scene that was cut out.
0: Maybe. Although I don't know. I what don't it see how because
1: she doesn't really have anything to do with yeah. the rest. I know. Of I don't. know. Well,
0: although she plays a character in that one little scene who sort of can't find a reason to go on. Yeah. Yes. And and the rest of the movie seems to be trying to an answer an answer to that question. You know, and it, it just in the daily goings on of life. How wh- why go on? Why continue? Well, yeah. That's the
2: thing. The two characters, the Leslie Manville character. and... Uh, and Joe, it's
0: like, how do they get up every day? Oh, you mean Ken? Ken, I, Ken, rather. Yeah. How, how do they get up every day? I know. Ken barely does. Yeah.
1: I know, and it's it's.
0: He yeah. talks about going to bed on Sunday night before a work week, and you know, just dreading it with you know, yeah. in an existential kind of way. Yeah. So yeah, from so from 2010, another year, yeah. uh, and what a great title too. Yeah. I thought it, was, it means about five different things. I have to
1: say, when I went to see it, and I was in London at the time, and I knew not really very little about it, I thought it was more of a comedy than it is. It's really not. It's, there are moments. There are moments. There are moments of lightness. I, I have to say, if you really dislike something like Secrets and Lies, and I do know people who do, you may not like now, this movie.
2: why do you think that the Jim Broadbent character and his wife want to continue to see these people?
1: That's a question that actually A.L. Scott brought up in the review and uh, are they a little bit narcissistic? It or are be. they comfortable hanging out with
0: people who aren't quite as happy right. and successful as they are? Yeah, because it confirms, confirms their choices. In the case yeah. of
1: Ken, I understood. Well, because he's an old university. He's an you, old, and you did, old and when friend.
2: He, and when, he, when you see them sort of reunite, yeah. he, he seems to genuinely care for them, uh-huh. and he's trying to help yeah. them a little and bit. And they're happy on the golf course. Although... Oh. Mm-hmm. he seems to be beyond help because he's not really taking responsibility no. for himself. He blames everything else outside of him.
0: But Jerry seems to have genuine compassion for Mary, though. I mean, you know, Mary's reaching out to her and yeah. she's got no one else yeah, to who she Yeah, I the can exact line
2: when she was going on and on about this man that she met that she fell oh, in love my with. Oh, God. And, and, I mean, it's so sad. And then he finally says, yes, forget, except that he forgot to tell you he's married.
0: <laughs> and also, I love... <laughs> A wonderful one of the my, one of my favorite final shots in any movie is in yes, this film. Yes, it is
1: a great final shot, and
0: it's the ultimate and ambiguous endings. And lo- loyal listeners know how much I love ambiguous yeah, endings. It's... Johnny to a non ambiguous ending, and... exactly, and something a little bit lighter. Yay! Yay. yes. Mm-hmm. Part of the reason I chose well, this it, movie is because gonna... it's a comedy. <laughs> right. When are you going to have these three films talked about in the same paragraph? That's Never. what I wanted. to exactly. Never. Never. <laughs> The Hot Rock! Woo-hoo. Yay! Released in January
2: 26, 1972. I saw this movie the year it came out and it did it. Did no business at all. So did I. And I, I don't know why. Um, it, they thought uh, it was going to be a hit, it, right? Well, the director, <laughs> Not if
1: they opened it in January. Yeah, anyway.
2: well, apparently the studio didn't care much for it. Um, the director definitely thought it was going to be a hit. He said, I've got these name actors in it. It's a fun movie. I thought, you know, people are... You know, seeing all these really, really downbeat movies. You know, they need something that's a little bit lighter, or whatever. And Peter Yates said he liked it. Who directed said he liked it better than Bullet,
0: which he yeah. also directed. Yeah. I liked yes. it better than yes. Bullet. Oh.
2: Directed by Peter Yates, who directed oh. Bullet. Oh, I don't know about that. Breaking Away, Eyewitness, and The Dresser, and then who did this? Yep. So anyway, Robert Redford, George Segal, Ron Liebman, Paul Sand, Paul Sand, who was a comic, Bush. Moses Gunn, Zero Mostel. Wonderful. William Redfield and Lynn Gordon as Miasmo Miasmo The hypnotist. it's a great cast yep. mm-hmm. screenplay by William Goldman, based None on better. a novel by Donald E. Westlake cinematography by Edward R. Brown one of the things I really like about this movie is the, the authentic New York oh. locations
0: well like San Francisco and yeah. Bullet yes said, I mean to see yes. that the, the yeah. extended helicopter scene with the trade center oh. was
1: just oh. one of my it's favorite scenes in the movie
2: yep <laughs> Music by Quincy Jones Yes And edited by Frank Keller and Fred Berger Who were nominated for Best Editing that year Yes Although, I don't know if you guys caught it There is It's really quick There's an editing mistake And I'll tell you about it after we okay. end our little episode Don't want to tell people about it Anyway um, As I said, I, I saw this movie when it first came out And I really enjoyed it It did almost no business And then never saw it again until about a year ago It was playing on Criterion. And I was like, why is this on here? Because it never showed anywhere. It's like, I remember liking this movie. I want to watch it again. At the end, it's like, this is so good. It's really, really well done in all the different aspects of filmmaking. And it's so much fun. And once in a great while, it shows up on Turner Classic Movies. Once in a great while. But I just...
0: Just, but it's I, not I, I streaming. You had to lend me your DVD so no, I could it. No, it's finish. not
1: streaming anywhere. And there's I don't know no why. reason why. I, you'd think HBO Max would pick it up. Maybe it's a rights thing or something. No, it's I, can't I don't imagine. I don't know. I don't know. Cuz I have seen it if it wasn't if it was a rights thing it wouldn't be on Turner. That's true. Yeah.
2: Yeah. Anyway, doesn't make sense. Uh, Redford, uh, the Redford character. Guess we can call him a professional thief is just released from his latest prison term and is approached by his brother-in-law, George Siegel, about another job.
1: One of the great comic actors of the 1970s. I just want to say it again. Yes. Truth.
2: Yep. No denying. Yep. Yeah, he's excellent. At it. Moses Gunn plays an African dignitary who wants to reclaim a very large diamond being shown at the Brooklyn Museum that is of great significance to his country. The Sahara Stone. Yes. <laughs> that he claims was stolen from his people. So Redford and Siegel, who is the so-called safe cracker lock expert, are joined by driver Ron Liebman and explosives expert Paul Sand. They come up with an elaborate plan to steal the diamond, but of course it goes wrong. They keep coming up with carefully. Well they you steal the diamond. They keep coming up with carefully planned schemes <laughs> to re-steal the diamond, but something always goes wrong. The first time, the diamond is swallowed by Paul Stan when he's caught by the museum giant uh, guards during the first plan and is sent to prison. After meeting Paul Sand's lawyer, played by Zero Mostel, who's wonderful. Zero
1: at it. is zero. Also, his father.
2: Yes. Yes. <laughs> Who is also his father? The horse's ass, as he says they come up with a plan to get Paul Sand out of prison only to find out that the diamond has been hidden at a police station which of course leads to another carefully planned scheme to break into the police station where William Redfield has a great turn as the policing captain the land on the building they land on the wrong building <laughs> first <laughs> getting to the police street, station 9th street <laughs> <laughs> and I don't want to say too much more for Fear of Ruining Room, but it's, a, as I said before, a very well-crafted, very well-acted, enjoyable movie. Some very funny moments. Uh, Some of my favorite moments are when Ron Liebman and his mother, Charlotte Rae, are listening to to the album of
0: Race Cars... (laughs) <laughs> well, a Liebman Lee uh, been talking about directions. That's yes. such a that's twenty years before Seinfeld. I mean, that's yes. a, yes. a, I love that. A, such a New York. He bank. probably stole it. Yeah, at yeah. Seinfeld. Yeah, really, yeah, yeah. Well, talk about stealing this opening scene where Redfrey gets out of prison and Siegel yes. picks him up. My God, that's, Soderbergh did that almost shot for shot in, yes. Ocean, in his Ocean's Eleven. Yes. Right? Yep. Soderbergh is clearly a fan of this film. Yes. Oh, yeah.
2: Uh, sure. The moment in the museum when they're lifting the giant glass case to get the diamond, which is reminiscent of the apes in 2001. <laughs> the getaway from the prison when they get Paul and Ron, Ron Levman's driving. Just the look on their faces <laughs> when they drive in the, into the truck. The truck. <laughs> And when we discover what Zero Mostel does, I, I, I don't want to say anything no, else. I, I'll no. ruin it. And of course, Afghanistan, Bananistan.
0: Again, Afghanistan, Bananistan. Well, and, and I love that, that it's the only caper movie, and there are comic caper movies too, like Top copy and Ocean's Eleven and films like that. Yeah. But but this one, each break-in leads to another break-in yeah. that they have to do. Yeah. It's, it's a very yeah. unique structure. I've never yeah. seen a film that does that. Yeah. yeah.
2: And it's very, mm-hmm. very well- well-written, well-delineated characters. Uh, like you said, I mean Ron Liebman almost steals the movie Yes.
1: Oh
0: does. my god, absolutely. He was great in those days. He was in like super cops yeah. and yeah. seven ups and I love the part with the car <laughs> <laughs>
1: And I love Paul Sand who didn't yeah. have much of a film career. He yeah. did yeah. nice he was, stuff on TV. That's yeah. what I didn't
0: like. I because like he was like it was he was like doing a bad Gene Wilder imitation. Oh, I, didn't think I mean, especially so. in the scenes with Zero Mostella, I was like I could see the producers and I was like <laughs> so
1: that was the only thing I, I, I really didn't like about that. it. I'm gonna tell mom about you dad <laughs> yeah. A little piece of uh, trivia, the actress who plays George Segal's wife is Topo Swope, who is the daughter of John Swope, the famous photographer, uh, life photographer of World War II, and the actress Dorothy McGuire. Oh, interesting. And she did have a a mild career. Yeah. Hmm.
0: Yeah. I, d- I did not yep. know that. Well, but, a little,
1: tri- little bit of trivia here. E- even if you didn't like the story... Well, I was disappointed
0: in the dialogue just because it's Goldman. I mean, the story structure is brilliant. Mm-hmm. But some of the dialogue is a little flat. But as you guys said, e- even if you're not interested in the film at all, watch it just for New York 1972. Yeah. yeah. Oh, oh my The locations God. used so yeah. well. Yeah. Everywhere. And, uh, and, 19 years? That, that <laughs> sequence where the, you know they the, the, they're they're flying in the helicopter yeah. and they come to, as I said before to the uh, about to be completed World Trade Center yeah. just killed me yeah. Yeah. I mean, it, it's if you love New York in those days, see it anyway, even if you don't like caper movies. Besides the fact the look on their faces, because Ron Lieben's never
2: flown a helicopter before. <laughs> I told you I could drive anything. Who doesn't like caper movies? Who doesn't? But I think of it more as a comedy than a caper movie. Yeah, it's, it's a comic it's, it's a comedy with a, a caper mm-hmm. structure yeah. kind of thing, you know?
0: Yeah, yeah. All right, so there it is, three very, very different films. Um, uh, Mike Lee's Another Year from 2010, his usual brilliant work with actors and very subtle, beautiful film. Um, A a, a laugh-out-loud comedy, New York in the 70s with the Hot Rock, 1972. And a serious-as-all-get-out but beautiful and one-of-a-kind labor movement film and since the labor movements may be coming back, it Yay. may be time for it. Uh, the blacklisted uh, Herbert Biberman and his blacklisted crew and actors, Salt of the Earth from nineteen fifty-four. All right, brace yourselves, strap in, kids, because since we haven't met since late June, we have a rather long necrology. So, Mikey, I turned it. O- I, <laughs> yeah, I turned it over to you.
1: Okay, this is pretty much in order of their uh, death. Bo Hopkins. Eighty-four, actor, was cast in three Sam Peckinpah films, The Wild Bunch, The Getaway, and The Killer Elite. Hmm. His role as the leader of the greaser gang in American Graffiti made him famous. Other other films include Midnight Express, Monty Walsh, The Man Who Loved Cat Dancing, Tentacles, and... (laughs) Did anybody ever see Tentacles? One of the great
0: octopus films ever made. Oh, boy. <laughs> Thank and you. there's so many of <laughs> them. Exactly.
1: And his final film, Hillbilly Elegy. Ooh. I forgot what he was in there, but I'm doing my best trying to forget that movie. <laughs> okay. Philip Baker Hall, uh, 90. Actor. Usually played gruff authority figures. His notoriety starred in 1984 with Robert Altman's Secret, Secret Honor, Eleanor. playing Richard Nixon. Yep. Other films include three for Paul Thomas Anderson. You Hard Eight, Boogie Nights, and Magnolia. Other roles include The Insider as 60 Minutes producer Don Hewitt, Argo, who he plays CIA director Stansfield Turner, and the talented Mr. Ripley. But he didn't pro- start professionally acting until he was 40, but he racked up... 80 movies, and 200 television appearances. And he's Mr. And, he's yes, Mr. Bookman, the library the cop in Bilondo Seinfeld. Oh, exactly. Let me miss- tell you
0: something, Joy Boy. <laughs> Mr. Bookman, a detective
1: working for the New York Public Library, pursuing two decades in overdue fines for a copy of Henry Miller's Tropic of Cancer. I think this is funny, Seinfeld.
0: <laughs> Costanza, can't stand Yeah. Awesome. Okay.
1: Now, a truly, truly great actor of past, uh, Jean-Louis... Trintignant. French film and stage actor. Appeared mostly in theater until his first major film, which was Roger Vadim's And God Created Woman, with Bridget Bydell. Other notable films were Dino Risi's Il Sorpasso* The mm. Easy Life, Claude Lelouch's A Man and a Woman, Sure. Costa gavrass Z, <laughs> Eric Romer's My Night at Mauds, and Bernardo Bertolucci's The Conformist. Oh, my. After that, he appeared in mostly supporting roles, the one exception, and if you remember John, this is one of John's uh, uh, unsung yes. gems, Krzysztof Christ- Krzyszowski's Red. Oh, boy. Yeah. In 2003, his daughter was beaten to death by her boyfriend, uh, Bernard Cantier, who was a famous rock star in France. And he was convicted of manslaughter, but he only served three years. And this, this put uh, Trentillon in a depression, and he stopped acting. Mm. But he did make one comeback. Oh, and He yeah. returned in 2012 as the husband in Michael Hanke's Amour. Amour. And. Uh, what a win. <laughs> wow. He was a, he, he was great, a true, actor. Great, great actor. Great actor. And if he's not recognized in the, in the academy, Oscars, I'm yeah. going to break your set. Yeah, no, I, listen, it, it already has
0: a lot of cracks from it, from from CODA winning everything, so yeah.
1: Okay. Sir Peter Brook, mm. 97, celebrated theater director who occasionally made films. As a youth, he took a job with a company specializing in commercials, but was fired when he made an advertisement for a washing detergent in the style of Citizen Kane. <laughs> <laughs> I, I have to see that. <laughs> <laughs> His few theatrical films include The Bigger's Opera, Seven Days, Seven Nights. <laughs> Snowflake. <laughs> yeah, right, exactly. Uh, snow. Lord of the Flies. Yes. Uh, Marit Sade, King Lear with Paul Schofield, Meetings with M- R- Remarkable Men, and *Les Tragédies de Camron.
0: And he did Mids- The Midsummer Night's Dream with uh, yes. Judi Dench. and I uh, Saw the Play. Yeah.
1: Well, that, was, that, the, that, that, was, that was a TV movie, so I didn't oh, include Oh, but I saw, I saw it on, his, on a big screen. Oh, you did? Yeah, oh, yeah, Okay, I thought that was a, it said uh, that that was a TV movie. I did see mm-hmm. another version of Midsummer Night's Dream that he did in 1970 when I was, well, I don't know, a teenager. Was that the, the modernist first... one? Yes. Yes. And legendary. it was unforgettable and a little funny bit. A few weeks after I saw it, there was a fire at the theater. It's what's now the Nederlander Theater and most of the patrons didn't get up because they thought it was a special effect. <laughs> so
0: Humorous note to that story, s- 28 people died. <laughs> no, nobody died, fortunately. But,
1: uh, On a lighter um, note. <laughs> Sir Peter Brook. Dark humor. Okay, James Kahn, 82. Film actor, best known for playing Sonny, Sonny Corley, and the Godfather, and playing Brian Piccolo on TV's mm-hmm. film, uh, Brian's Song. Mm-hmm. By the time he made The Godfather, he had already established himself as an upcoming actor, appearing in Lady in a Cage with Olivia de Havilland, Howard Hawks, El Dorado. Um, he was in The Rain People, wasn't he? The Rain People yep. for yeah. Couple
0: Coppola.
1: The previous films. <laughs> and uh, and uh, interesting psychological drama from Universal called Games with mm. Simone Signoret Don't know and it. Catherine Ross. It comes out in TCM once in a while. It's a very odd movie. And it's one of her handful of movies that she made in English. I
0: love In the Gambler. Yeah. And Car- Carol Rice is the. Uh, right. The I love that good movie. movie. Yeah. Oh my God. He
1: received an Oscar nomination for The Godfather, but lost it to Joel Grey and Cabaret. Of course, Abba Duval and Al Pacino were also nominated. Other films include Cinderella Liberty, mm. Funny Lady as Billy Rose, The right. Gambler, Rollerball, A Bridge Too mm. Far. Chapter Two, and Thief. Now, he was out of films for a good part of the 80s because of drugs and depression over the death of his sister. But he came back in 1987 with Coppola's Garden of Stone. Which was, which was underrated, I, yeah, think. I think. Yeah, I think it's a Lovely pretty good movie. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, among his highlights in his later years were Misery, Honeymoon in Vegas. Honeymoon in
0: Vegas, he's awesome in that.
1: Mickey Blue Eyes, and Elf. Appeared on TV in the series uh, Las Vegas for four years, and he won two Italian of the Year awards, even though he was Jewish. <laughs> That'll show you something. Maybe it's odd. You know. so, do we have it's anything? This, Italian and
0: Jewish is the same thing food and guilt. So there you go. An <laughs> yes. entire worldview centered on those two things.
1: Anybody want to say anything else? No, about I just Tom? go see the no, gambler just, if you can.
2: I, I was just watching some of The Godfather again lately, and he has some great moments. Yes. As yeah, he and, does. and the scene where he, he beats up Carlo. Mm hmm. Yeah. Yeah, <laughs> we know now that some of that is real
0: yeah look what they did to my boy massacred my boy massacred my boy
1: Larry Storch 99 uh, Corporal we <laughs> beloved comic actor <laughs> he acting. says you're so dumb and best known for the TV comedy F Troop as Corporal Agon which only ran two years and I know always in reruns yeah Tony Curtis who was in the Navy with him got him into movies And such as forty pounds of trouble, sex and a single girl, and the great race. He continued working on TV and stage, and occasional movies, such as the Guru, who gives the eulogy at Richard Mulligan's funeral in Blake Edwards' S.O.B. And did Did anybody recognize uh, him? No, no. Did anybody? I mean, oh, when
2: I when I saw the movie, I did.
1: You recognized him? Yeah, I didn't. didn't. Yeah. I didn't, because I remember when his face came on during the credits, people just started applauding like, Oh my God, that's Larry Storch. <laughs> I did ra- not not recognize him. Joe Turkle, 94, uh, character actor, only one of two actors oh to appear God. in three Kubrick movies. You bet. The other being Philip Stone. He was Tiny in The Killing, Private Anouk,
0: And The Bartender. In, in
1: uh, Paths of Glory, and Lloyd the Bartender in The and Shining. Shiny. Another noteworthy world, world, role, sorry, was as Dr. Terrell in Blade Runner. Other films. That's right,
0: of the Terrell Corporation, that is right.
1: Other films include The Sand Pebbles and Hellcats of the Navy with Ronald and Nancy Reagan. <laughs> appeared in numerous TV shows. Monty Norman, 94, composer, known for writing Those the James Bond theme. But yeah. boy. <laughs> Later on, John Barry had orchestrated Norman's theme and often took credit for writing it. In 1997, Norman nice. sued the Times of Lond- London that gave Barry the credit for the theme and basically downplayed Norman's contributions. Why he didn't sue Barry, I don't know. Jury found for Norman and awarded him 30,000 pounds. LQ Jones, 94, mm. craggy Western actor who appeared in, f- in over 60s film, 60 films. First film was Battle Cry in 1955. Worked for Sam Peckinpah in Ride the High Country, Major Dundee, and The Wild Bunch. He was in Clint Eastwood's Hang'em High, Martin Scorsese's Casino, and Robert Altman's Prairie Home Companion, which was his last film. He also wrote, produced, and directed the cult movie A Boy and His Dog in I didn't 1975. Know that. I never saw it, did you? Yeah, I've seen Oh, yeah. yeah. I didn't He's, know that was him. That's him. Wow. Yeah.
0: I right, see. I learned something uh, new from Vintage Sand every time now. Uh, I never saw it.
1: Yeah, it was a it was a kind of a midnight movie in the '70s. A sci-fi dystopian, yeah. yeah. Bob Raffleson, director and producer, central figure in the new Hollywood movie of the, ni- of the mid '60s and early '70s. With his friend and business partner Bert Schneider, he founded BBS Productions, yes. which successfully produced *Easy Rider* in 1969. His directorial debut was in 1968 (laughs) with the monkey's head, and he also basically created the group. Yeah. His best-known film was in 1970 with Five Easy Pieces, which won him the New York Film Critics Award for Best Director and was nominated for four Academy Awards, including Best Picture, but not Best Director, oddly enough. Other films include The King, the King of Marvin Gardens*, which oh, my favorite. The most, Mine yeah. too. Yeah. Absolutely. Stay Hungry, the remake of The Postman Always Rings Twice, Yikes. Black Widow. Yes, and I and love Black Widow. I like Widow. Black Widow Shockingly too. good film. Yeah. And Blood and Wine. Where's Teresa Russell when we need her? That's she I mean. pops up <laughs>
2: occasionally. King of Marvin Guards never shows.
1: And no, it's really I good think it is. I don't know why. Great. Really good and I, it's his best movie. I think so. 100%. I don't know. Uh, BBS Productions also produced The Last Picture Show yep. and Drive, he said, and Henry Jaggerman's debut feature, A Safe, Safe Place, Place, and Hearts and Minds, which won the Oscar for Best Documentary yep. in 1974. David Warner, 80, film and TV actor. He played Hamlet when he was 24 to great acclaim, but gravitated to movies and television, where he played mostly villains in over 200 films and TV roles. His first break was in Tom Jones, mm. and then played the title role in Morgan with Vanessa Redgrave. Other notable films were The Omen, the <laughs> Ripper in Time After Time, The Evil Genius in Time Bandits, Tron, Titanic, Aline Renee's Providence, oh. The Company of Wolves, The French Lieutenant's Woman, The Man with Two Brains, <laughs> Star Trek VI, uh, The Undiscovered undisco- Country, and Mary Poppins returns. Wait,
0: I thought he was in five.
1: Um, I, I, he could be.
0: I think it was five. Uh, he, yeah, Josh, he, I,
1: I give you. Well, credit. and
0: also he is—he is in one of the best episodes of Star Trek: Next Generation. He plays a Cardassian general who tortures Picard, and he's wonderful. So the Star Trek universe mourns him
1: too. Three films for uh, for Sam Peckinpah: Battle of Cable Hogs, Straw Dogs, and Cross of Iron. Hmm. He develops. Throughout his film career, stage fright, hmm. and uh, but uh, he made his New York stage debut in two thousand and one after a thirty-year absence in Shaw's Major Barbara, and I saw that, and he was very, very good. Interesting. And I was very surprised that he, because when he did this Hamlet in uh, the early sixties, he was thought everybody thought he was going to be the next Olivier, and he just. Didn't want to he sold judge. out. Well, no. <laughs> no. We had a good long career. Yeah. No. So. I'm, I'm joking. No. It's. I just find said, it
2: really, really interesting, though, how every once in a while you hear a story about a very right. experienced actor who suddenly develops stage fright yeah. and and can't do anything for a while. It said, happened to Olivia, right?
0: And Betty Davis, right? You Betty said Davis Andrew Garfield was to ever go on stage. You said Andrew Garfield was going to be the next olivier and that was not a compliment. Right. <laughs> I quote Mike Edmond to Mike Edmond there. <laughs> <laughs>
1: Paul Servino, 83, Mm. character actor who originally studied singing. Appeared on Broadway as a chorus male in musicals that tended to flop. His big break was on Broadway in Jason Miller's That Championship Season, which he received a Tony nomination and was the only actor to repeat his role in the Mm -hmm. film version 10 years later. His film debut was in Where's Papa? And then (laughs) he uh, he was in large roles in The Panic in Needle Park, Made for Each Other, Touch of Class, The Day of the Dolphin, Oh God, Slow Dancing in the Big City, Red's Dick Tracy, and Nixon as Henry Kissinger. His most famous role, as far as I'm concerned, yep. is uh, Polly Cesaro, a local mob boss in Martin Scorsese's Goodfellas. But he still would sing professionally on occasion, such as when he made his... New York City opera debut, and Frank Loser's The Most Happy Fellow. The
0: most in the whole Napa Valley. Yeah, well, I still... anytime you slice your garlic with a razor I blade, do, I think, you think, of, think of Paul Sorvino. <laughs> yes. He also liked
1: to sculpt. He said, Acting on stage is like doing sculpture. Acting in <laughs> movies is like being an assistant to the sculptor. Interesting. Yeah. <laughs> Mary Alice, 85. Stage, TV, and film actress. Among her films were To Sleep With Anger, Malcolm X, The Bonfire of the Vanities, Awakening, Speed Street, Sparkle, and The Matrix Revolutions, which she took over for Gloria Foster. Oh, right. She's the second Oracle. Yeah. But she is best known for her Tony Award winning performance. I cry when I think about her. She was so damn good. As Rose Manson, the compassionate but beleaguered wife in James Earl, uh, to James Earl Jones and August Wilson's *Fences*, fences. and we all saw yeah. that. Didn't yes,
0: we, we did. Oh, God, gotcha. she was good. I got my tickets for piano lesson with Sam. Oh, Jackson I'm seeing and it John too. I am yeah. seeing
1: it too. That's one of my favorite S- Wilsons. I'm so excited! Frank Rich in his review said, "Miss Alice's performance emphasizes strength over self-pity, open anger over festering bitterness. The actress finds that spiritual quotient." Court- quotient, In the acceptance the, that accompanies Rose's love for a scarred, profoundly, profound, complicated man, it is rare to find a marriage of any sort presented on stage with such balance. Yep. I'm sorry to spend so much time no talking about a stage performance, but that was one of the best.
0: I mean, it's fine that everyone knows Viola Davis's performance in yes, the film. Yes, yeah, and
1: she was the first to tweet yeah about Mary yeah. Alice. Not surprised. Yeah. Unfortunately, and I, Ayala Davis was great. Unfortunately, uh, Eddie Murphy bought the rights to Fences and just sat on yeah, it for I, 15 I, I, years. Yeah, I, and I, I don't know the whole story behind that, but uh, it was a shame that Mary Alice and James Earl Jones... Were he not.
2: planning to be in it? Yeah, yeah.
1: but the, as the son. As the son.
2: Yeah.
1: Yeah, well... Mm-hmm. Okay, Bernard Cribbins, 93. British character actor best known for his roles in yeah. Doctor Who... One of his roles was in *The Grandfather*. One of the Doctor Who's companions, Donna Noble. Film roles include *The Railway Children*, *The World of Susie Wong*, *The Mouse on the Moon*, three Carry On films, *Casino Royale* <laughs> (the first one in 67, yeah, '67), and Alfred Hitchcock's *Frenzy*. Who? He oh. was the uh, bar owner. Oh, who, okay. Who hated Blaney? Right. Uh, going back to *Star Trek*. Michelle. Uh, Michelle Nicholas played Lieutenant Uhura. Uhura on the original Niota Star Trek Uhura. and appeared in the first Star Trek films from 1979 to 1981. I could name them all, but everybody who loves Star Trek knows them already.
0: And and her influence. Yes, yes.
1: Was the first Afro-American actress not to appear in a stereotypical role. Yep. He shared the first interracial kiss on TV with William Shatner, and initially she was unhappy with her role, and was ready to quit Mm -hmm. when at an NAACP fundraiser was told by a fan that she should not quit, that her role was too important to the movement and was a positive influence on younger Afro-Americans. That fan was Martin Luther King.
0: Right. And Whoopi Goldberg, when she was still Karen Johnson and ten years old, you know, turned on TV and Star Trek was on, and she ran yep. in and got her mother and said, "There's a there's a black woman, and she's yeah. and she's doing something important here." And so, when Star Trek: Next Generation asked Whoopi Goldberg, who by that time was a huge star, to take on a relatively minor role now and then, she said, "Absolutely, as a tribute to Michelle yep. Nichols and Uhura."
1: And apparently, a part of her ashes are going to go up into. Lovely. Space uh, sometime later next year. Just lovely. Pat Carroll, 95, Mm. TV sitcom actress and game show celebrity. She won an Emmy for uh, Sid Caesar's sketch show called Caesar's Hour and appeared on The Danny Thomas Show. When she turned 50, she left television and started a major career on stage where she had a young playwright write a one-woman show where she portrayed Gertrude Stein in Gertrude Stein, Gertrude Stein, Gertrude Stein. (laughs) which a song which was incredible mm. uh, she won the drama desk and outer circle critics awards for best actress and won a Grammy Award for the best spoken word category she later played Falstaff on stage in Wa- in Washington DC and in, she was also in the Merry Wives of Windsor she worked in DC on stage in Mother Courage and as the nurse in Romeo and Juliet movie audiences Know her best for her voice work as Ursula, Ursula. the sea witch in *The Little Mermaid*. Poor unfortunate souls. (laughs) Awesome. But interesting how (laughs) interesting how a performer just literally remakes her career at fifty because she wasn't really considered a serious actress. Right. Just you know. Oh yeah, there's there's Pat Carroll. (laughs) Tom Richmond, cinematographer, Mm. worked with mostly independent directors. Won a cinematography award at Sundance in 2006 for the film *Right at Your Door*, a drama about terrorist attack, tacking attack involving chemical bombs. Also worked on *Stand and Deliver*, *Little Odessa*, *A Midnight Clear*, *Slums of Beverly Hills*, and *Nick and Nora's Infinite Playlist*. Also shot music videos for Pearl Jam, New Order, Grace Jones, The Go-Go's, and Eric Clapton. Hmm. And he taught at Brooklyn College. Yes! Woohoo! Clue Gallagher, I think I'm pronounced... Gallagher. I think it's Gallagher. Gallagher? Okay. 93, character actor. Appeared in TV westerns and made his film debut in Don Siegel's The Killers. The Killers, where he was shot to death by Ronald Reagan.
0: (laughs) Weren't we all? (laughs) Which was
1: was Ronald Reagan's final film. Not soon enough. Other (laughs) films include The Last Picture Show winning... I'm going to get you, sucker! The yes. Return of the Living Dead, A Nightmare on Elm Street 2. His final film was as a bookstore clerk in Tarantino's Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. He was. Oh, is
0: he the one who sells her?
1: I think so. Tessa the Durbin yeah. Oh yeah. God, I love that scene. He was a regular on the TV show The Virginian, but became a teacher, running a workshop that focused on horror film acting and directing. Okay. And a per- it's a living. Supposedly a well-liked teacher
2: Fun. as well. That focused on horror film horror acting? film. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah.
1: How to It'll, scream? <laughs> how to look scared. I don't know. Roger E. Mosley, 83, appeared into films Hitman, The Mac, Lead Belly, playing the folk and blues pioneer, How to Lead Better, and the greatest as Sonny Liston. But he was best known for his role as T.C. A helicopter pilot in the TV show Magnum, Magnum PI. That's where
0: I know that. In name.
1: the 1980s, he was an actual helicopter pilot, but he was not allowed to do his own stunts. See, they should have gotten Ron Leaping. Exactly. <laughs> I'm sure he would have done it. He could fly anything. When the show turned the switch
0: on here and this switch on here. These two. No, wait, this one.
1: <laughs> when the show was rebooted in 2018, he appeared as a barber in two episodes. Olivia Newton-John, 73. Off. Australian pop star Ouch. who made her film debut in Greece yep. in 1978 with John Travolta. Other films were Zanadu, Big Love for Zanadu. Are you?
0: I'm totally serious. Oh, I am I th- th- not kidding about it. I think it was awful. Oh, it's, it's, but it's so atrocious, it's brilliant. It's one of those things. Did <laughs> you see it? Uh, Plus, I Plus, the saw music, it. listen to the soundtrack. The music stills. It's E-L-O and her, and it sounds great. There were three top ten hits from that album. Yeah,
1: well.
0: Sorry, not sorry. Uh, you like the
2: soundtrack to
1: Vangelis, though, too.
2: So. <laughs> he be, she
1: reunited be <laughs> with Travolta in the film Two of a Kind, and she was in uh, It's My Party. She didn't do a lot of films after that. Um, oh, and also was in the film Score, a hockey musical, and numerous music videos, including the big hit Physical. She was. Uh, also on the TV series Sorted Lives, which was originally a film. Anne Heich, 53, died in a car accident in Hollywood where a car she was driving crashed into a two-story home, causing a fire that took firefighters more than an hour to to distinguish. She was originally a daytime TV actress and won a daytime Emmy Award for Another World. Uh, She starred in movies in the 1990s including walking and talking Donny Brasco Wag the Dog and 7 Days and 7 Nights Her, mer- her most famous role was as Marion Crane in Gus Van Sant's 1998 remake of Psycho Who says that's her most famous role uh, Obituaries because oh, that was her most famous film uh, role not my favorite actor It's not was. that it was uh-huh. not that it was the greatest no, She's saying it's no. famous and everybody knows that she, you know, we She's it. good in
2: Donnie Brasco. She's actually good she in
1: Psycho. There was just no reason to remake right. that movie. Yeah, I
2: know, I know.
1: Um, after her relationship with Ellen DeGeneres became sure. public, she ceased to make theatrical movies. She was basically frozen out. But she worked Funny on TV in Allie McBeal, Nip Tuck, Everwood, and Chicago PD. She was nominated for an Emmy in Grace's Choice, a TV movie. She did appear on Broadway in Proof. Uh, replacing Mary Louise Parker. Please. And The Twentieth Century with Alec Baldwin, and she was quite good in that. Oh. It was very funny. You don't
0: mention her and MLP in the same sentence, I'm sorry. <laughs> I'm a fan. Me too.
1: Yeah. Bert Fields. But that shows you uh, she just yeah. came out too early. She might have had a more of a film career. It's interesting. Yeah. Bert Fields, 93, entertainment attorney. Lawyer to the Holly, lawyer to the Hollywood Elite. Among his clients were Madonna, Tom Cruise, Warren Beatty, The Beatles, Michael Jackson, Dustin Hoffman, George Lucas, Steven Spielberg, Michael Otis, and Jeffrey Kastenberg. His most famous trial was for Jeffrey Kastenberg, chief executive of of DreamWorks Animation against the Walt Disney Company, for $250 million. Kastenberg was owed contractual bonuses for such hits as The Lion King and The Little Mermaid when he was Disney chief. Fields conducted a withering cross-examination of Michael Eisner, then Disney chief, revealing that Eisner had once told the co-author of of his autobiography that he detested Kassenberg. I hate the little midget, unquote.
0: The exchange (laughs) was
1: so intense that Disney decided to pay the entire $250 million, the most money ever given to an individual in a Hollywood lawsuit. Also was able to get the Weinstein brothers $130 million, but the $550 million Films that Miramax made stayed with the Disney company. Hmm. But this was a guy who I don't think ever lost a case. He had to, They settled at times, but uh, he was...
0: Yeah, legendary.
1: He was legendary. Wolfgang Petersen, hmm. German film director, won two Academy Award nominations for direction and screenplay for the movies Das Boot, das Boot. in 1982. Other films include The Never-Ending Story, hmm. Enemy Mine, In the Line of Fire... Air Force One, Outbreak, The Perfect Storm, Troy, and Poseidon, a remake of The Poseidon Adventure. He had uh, over 20 German language films before Das Boot, plus a TV series in German called Tatort.
0: Mm. Yeah, no, there's some good films. In The Line of Fire, it's quite a good film. I've never seen
1: Das Boot, I'm ashamed to say. You you need to see it in the
0: theater because you get that sense of claustrophobia on the submarine. It's brilliant.
1: And last one... Yes. Joanne Koch, or no, Joanne Koch, 92, long time, this is kind of local, Longtime head of the Film Society of Lincoln Center. Yeah. Presided for many years over the New York Film Festival, and she oversaw the creation of the Center's own movie theater, the Walter Reed. Yes, indeed. In 1973, she helped create the film festival's new directors, new film series, which introduced the works of Pedro Almodovar, Spike Lee, and Vin Wenders. Often had to defend movies in the uh, film uh, festival that were thought to be either pornographic, such as in the realm of the senses, or huh. blasphemous, such as *Hail Mary*.
0: Goodard. Yeah, yeah. Okay, we're all caught up. So
2: was a was little anecdote. Speaking of submarines. Yes. The, the way that <laughs> Connie Curtis and Larry Storch knew each other was they were on the same submarine oh. during World War II. That I did not And know they know. were both present. At the signing ceremony during the Japanese ceremony on the USS Missouri. Interesting.
0: Yes. As was Captain Quint, I think. (laughs) (laughs) Well, at least we delivered the bomb. (laughs) Speaking of famous movie lines, it's America's favorite segment of Vintage Sand, John Myers Monthly Quote Quiz. So, the quote from our last episode was...
2: In the world of advertising, there's no such thing as a lie. There's only the expedient exaggeration. That was Cary Grant in North by Northwest, Roger 1959, directed by Alfred Hitchcock. Mm-hmm. Yes, Roger O. Thornhill. Rot.
1: What does the O stand for?
2: No, Nothing. nothing. <laughs> so, the new quote is... He'd kill us if he got the chance. Hint... The line is
0: said twice in the movie, and it's very important. Okay, so there it is. So if you want to find out the answer, or if you think you know the answer and want to double check, check our website, www.vintagesand.com. There it is. And uh, remember that we are available on all platforms, Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Uh, And SoundCloud. Uh, For our next episode, episode 41, which we'll definitely do in October. Yes! I am psyched. So we don't have so long in necrology. Yes! Um, In episode 31, uh, we focused on our favorite final films by directors. And so in this episode, uh, which we're going to call Gala Premieres, it is going to be our favorite first films by directors. But there are some ones that are so obvious that we should kind of take him off the table yeah. right now. Right now, I have on my list, Kane, 400 Blows, Badlands, and Boys in the Hood. All right? Anything else immediately? It should be... Let's try to make it films that we haven't talked about a lot already. Yeah. Um, Any ones that are automatically off the table. You know, it's funny, because I thought of
2: a few m- movies, and then I realized that they were not the director's first movie. One was, was Open City, but I realized that, that that's not his but, first movie.
0: I just, I just remember what movie... Your quotes from I'm so proud of myself. I'll <laughs> shut up
1: now. <laughs> Michael doesn't know.
2: Yeah, um, I'm, I there's probably some more and we need to add that. I mean, Kane was the one that immediately came right. to mind. And mark. 400 blows. <laughs>
0: then now the quest. What do we? But I think we should do it people with people who had relatively long careers in feature films. Like so, for example, Boys Don't Cry. Kim Pierce is a yeah. brilliant, but she only did one other feature film after that. Yeah. So. All right, we'll talk it out. We'll we'll hash it out. We'll yeah. have. I'll get Bert Fields on. Oh, he's dead. Um, get, <laughs> see, I found that out by listening to Vintage Sand, That's right. the podcast, <laughs> which truly is vintage. Now. <laughs> exactly. As I said, more vintage. You should and see even my sandier. face. It's really vintage. <laughs> uh, here we are, but not even a, not even a summer's worth of sun could. just we're still left with that lovely radiant glow so we are team vintage sand that was our third go at our hidden gems we hope you enjoyed it we want to remind you at this point as we always do that vintage sand is a five nines and a four production we want to thank melissa for her technical help mama sue for the use of the hall and the increasingly legendary gabby for her uh artwork and our logo uh, as I said, we are on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, and SoundCloud. And basically, like, if you're a film fan, you're like us, and you're just sitting around waiting for November when Sight and Sound comes out yes. with the 2022 Best of Poll. We're going to be talking about that one for a while. I guarantee you Vertigo won't be number one. You don't think so? Nope. I think what you said, yeah. Michael, when you saw it at Film Forum and people really didn't like yeah, it. Yeah,
1: but those were, they could have been just film students.
0: Early betting, Tokyo story number one. Okay. Uh, mm-hmm. like yeah, heard, well I could see that. Yeah. Yeah. Heard it my early for,
1: betting is two thousand and one is Space Odyssey. I would
0: not be that's definitely gonna move up. What was it, like sixth, yeah. I think? Yeah, so definitely. All right, so until then, my friends, our audience of twelve, happy watching, be safe. And as ever, we hope fervently and religiously that your favorite films will always be streaming.